my name is Adam. I'm a discipleship pastor, and we are uh, starting a brand new series this week where over the next eight weeks, we're going to walk through the book of Colossians, and we're literally going to go just through Colossians, starting in chapter one, ending at the end of the book, um, which is a great place to end anything at the end of it. Uh, don't know if that needed clarity, but I gave it to you. Welcome to church. All right. Uh, <laughs> but we're, we're walking through this book that was written as a corrective means for a church that was growing in an area of, in, in Colossae. Paul writes this letter. He's in prison. And so unlike Peter, who writes that letter as a, as a beacon of hope to the people um, and that he's writing to in 1 Peter, Paul's writing this because he wants to get them some things straight. And he's using his time in prison to do so. He wants to correct false teaching. And so he writes this in around 64 AD. It's believed that he wrote this book and Ephesians at the route around the same time. In fact, many people believe that the same messenger carried both the letter to the Colossians and the letter to the Ephesians um, from where Paul was. And so um, since Colossians is all about correcting false teaching, we're going to start off today with a game uh, called True or False. Now, it's, it's important to point out, this is a game and not a test. There's a significant difference. You get prizes for winning games. You get grades for winning tests. Winning tests? Anyways, this is a game. Play if you'd like to. So I'm going to say five statements. And you have to mark down on your notes if you believe that statement to be true or false. Okay? We all know how true or false works. Yes? Okay, here we go. Number one, you... Only use 10% of your brain. True or false? Write it down. Don't shout it out. Last hour, we had somebody shout out what they thought every answer was. It's like, that's not, you're not going to win for sure, you know? Uh, but maybe I'm too competitive about things. Number two. So number one, you only use 10% of your brain. Number two, lightning never strikes the same place twice. Lightning never makes the same, strikes the same place twice. Got it? Number three, true or false? Sugar makes children hyperactive. True or false? <laughs> Last hour, somebody was like, yup, <laughs> real loud. It was a different person, so I knew it was like it hit home with somebody. That one did. <laughs> Number four, your hair and your fingernails continue growing after death. Your hair and your fingernails continue growing after death. This makes for a really creepy picture. Don't think about that too much. And number five, it takes seven years to digest swallowed gum. True or false? So nobody should have A, B, C, or D because we're doing true or false. All right, number one, you only use 10% of your brain. Who says true? True, you only use 10% of your brain. I'm sorry, I hope I'm not going to ruin your morning, but that is false. (laughs) It is false. It says this. I, I pulled this from the, the research article. It's true that, we, that there's a great deal that we don't know about the brain, but we certainly do know that we use our entire brain. Even if we didn't have a wealth of data from brain scans, which we do, uh, the 10% figure is false. So the brain is incredibly demanding. Even though it weighs only a couple pounds, it takes 20% of your body's use of oxygen and glucose. And so you maybe only use 10% of your brain at a time, or sometimes you do stuff that makes you feel like I could only possibly be using 10% of my brain, but your whole brain is necessary. Otherwise, why is it there in the first place? Number two, lightning never strikes the same place uh, twice. True? Who says true? Who says false? That is false. 
Lightning does not care where it's struck before. It's going to hit or it's going to hit, and it is ruthless. It is a helpful idiom, though, to like not you know, rely on something wild happening two, two times in a row. Number three, sugar makes children hyperactive. True or false? It is false. It is absolutely false. There is no correlative you know, effect between the amount of sugar someone ingests and their hyperactivity. It is not a good idea to eat lots of sugar. I'm not saying that, but it, it isn't the thing that makes your kids hyperactive. The thing that makes your kids hyperactive is their kids, but also when they're at birthday parties or trick-or-treat or something like that, the circumstances under which they eat a lot of sugar is what makes them hyperactive. And so we say no sugar when really just give them more Reese's. It's okay. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> I heard my son's grandfather say I'll remember that. So <laughs> and troubling, troubling truths here today. Number four, your hair and your fingernails continue to grow after death. Who says True. Who says false? It is false. If you're noticing a trend here, it is false. Uh, your hair and your fingernails need nutrients. Your, your body needs nutrients to produce keratin, which is a thing that makes nail and nails and hair grow. The thing that actually does happen after death is that your skin and your flesh starts to dehydrate, which gives the appearance that your hair is growing or your nails are growing. Um, but, you know, you're dead, you can't eat food, you're not getting nutrients, you're not producing keratin because, you know, you're dead. Number five, it takes seven years to digest swallow gum. L lovers of patterns already know the answer. Who says true? It is false. It is absolutely false. Your body will pass that gum uh, sooner than seven years, I promise you. And it's, the thing that's a little bit true about it is your body doesn't really digest gum because there's nothing really to digest or take in, and so it just passes it through. And trust me, I swallowed a marble once as a child. It does not take seven years for that to come out. You'll just leave it at that, okay? <laughs> so um, we are, we're talking about we're, we're going to walk through Colossians, and we're going to hopefully knock down some of the myths that the, Colo the people of Colossae believed, and hopefully it breaks down some myths that maybe we've constructed in our faith. And so we're going to walk through um, Colossians 1, verses 1 through 14 today. And we're going to go back to, it, the, today's message is starting at the beginning, we're going to end at the end. You're going to start at the beginning. And this is a real basics thing that we just need to say before we go into a study of Colossians and get any further down the theological roadmap. Because Paul starts out and he's going to correct a church that's having trouble. And the very first thing is he encourages them, which as a side note should tell us how we should behave with one another when we see somebody who's making a mistake with their theology or messing up in their pursuit of Jesus. Maybe we should lead with a little more encouragement and a little less criticism because Paul is writing to people who believe wrong things. And he's telling them, go back to the start and go back to the basics. And I'm so encouraged by you and by your faith. And so we're going to dive into this. But before we dive into the scripture, will you pray with me as we begin? God, we are blown away that you invite people like us into your kingdom and that you do it with no precondition other than we acknowledge who your son is and what he did for us. And so God, help us hold on to the very core and basic truths from your word. Help us to look at Colossians 
and allow it to change our mind about the way we see the world. Help us to look at Scripture and allow it to change our hearts about how we see the world. So God, we just pray that we would be transformed by your truth. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So as we start out, the very first thing that Paul wants to get after is he encourages these people. He says, I'm so encouraged by you. But the thing that he wants them to understand is the gospel works. And I know this is not like some big complex sentence like Paul is known to write in his letters, but this is just a very basic sentence. And this is one that we have to hold on to as a church and as people. The gospel works. Colossians 1, 4 through 6 says this. For we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about the hope and the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it, as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. It is bearing fruit all over the world, just as it did in your community. The gospel, when you came to truly appreciate God's grace, that's the thing that's working. That's the thing that's moving. That's the thing that's growing despite persecution. That's the thing that's growing at an exponential rate um, that history has never seen before since Christianity and will never see after Christianity. Christianity grew with this unbelievable message of grace from God, a God who would come to earth and die for his people and make his the, the humanity, his people again, and it just exploded. This gospel, this good news, it works. We don't need to add anything onto it or put anything up next to it or rebrand it or repackage it. We just need to faithfully use the gospel and speak the gospel and tell the good news that you can be God's people again. You can be God's child again. And if we do that faithfully, it works. One of the things that was happening in Colossae as Christianity was growing and as this thing was blowing up is there were teachers, false teachers, who were preaching things and they were claiming to be closer to God. They were claiming that they knew what God had for people. And so it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I got a better line to God. And so for three easy payments of $99.95, you can be close to God too. It wasn't exactly that because they didn't have American dollars, but you understand the point. So these false teachers were, were preaching up, and Paul wants to clarify right at the outside, outset. The gospel works. It is the thing that's growing around the world. And the main message of the gospel is that you no longer need an intermediary between you and God. Jesus was that permanent and eternal intermediary that gives access to your Father in heaven. Don't be wasting your time with these false teachers who tell you anything but because of the endless grace of God, you can be close to God again. And so he's, he's wanting to these people to understand it is the thing that's growing. This past week, actually Friday and Saturday, I went down to my basement on Friday and I stepped into standing water. And that's one of those situations where you're like, that's not right. <laughs> I'm not outside. This shouldn't be swampy. And so I went in, and to make a long story short, uh, one of the, the drains out to the main drain in my house was backed up, and I had to get it 
cleaned out. And so I called, you know, a plumber that came out and he told me the price. And I was like, okay, well, you do it. Because I had spent a long time that yesterday cleaning up the water in my basement, you know, vacuuming up water and doing all kinds of stuff. And um, we had tried to use one of the snakes. It was just a hand-powered snake to get the thing loose and it wasn't working. You know, my dad and I were trying to get that. It wasn't working. So I was just like, okay, you, you do what you're going to do. And so he went out and he just got like a, a super version of the, the plumbing snake. It was, it was this plumbing snake, but it was attached to like a power drill and it, you know, and it would go through anything. I'm pretty sure it would go through titanium, but it was incredible. He set it down and he started going a little bit and I stood there and he just, you know, finger on the tr- trigger, just pushing it down. And he just kept, he just kept running with the, the, the snake. And I'm thinking, I'm about to pay you how much? And this is not working. Like, he was like, oh, it went down a little bit. I'm like, you, who are you talking to? Like, it's still water in my basement, you know? And so he's just pushing. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm about to chime in and say, like, maybe you should try something else. Go get the secret, special, magical liquid that you can pour down the drain that just, you know, takes care of it. Because this is not working. But he just kept pressing. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it was immediate. It was just like, all the water's gone. And he's like, yep, that got it. <laughs> he's like, you really had something stuck in there. And I was like, yeah, you're telling me. But the, the tool just worked. The gospel just works. We don't need anything fancier. We don't need anything more high tech. We don't need anything more relevant. The gospel is the most relevant message in all of history. And if we are faithful to preach that message, it works and it will grow globally and it will grow in our community and it will change our lives and it will grow in our lives if we are just faithful to use the gospel as it was intended to be used to share this message. All people can be God's people. Every person can be God's person because of what Jesus did. If we're just faithful, the gospel works. But here's the next part. And it's unbelievable that we can appreciate God's grace and we're led into his kingdom. But there's a second part to it. The gospel will change you. The gospel will change you. It will enter your life and it will reorient your priorities. It will reorient what you think is right and what you think is wrong. And it should. It should make you different. Colossians 1, picking up in the middle of verse 9 and and continuing through verse 12, says this. We are asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his will. This is Paul writing still. We being Paul and and the co-author. And that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. We're asking that you would be filled with knowledge of his will, that you would bear fruit, that the grace of God that has met you would continue to transform you, that you would grow and you would keep understanding what God has for your life because what God has for your life is better than what you had planned for your life. And if you just follow him and lean in on him, he will transform you. There's this quote from Jonathan Edwards that 
I love because it's a little bit awkward to say, and it's a little bit awkward to memorize. And so I memorized it because it just, it, it caught me one day. And it's simply this, grace is but glory begun, and glory is but grace perfected. Let me say it again. Grace is but glory begun, and glory is but grace perfected. And the idea is this, that God's grace invites you into a kingdom where you will be transformed into his likeness and his image. That grace meets you right where you are and it gives you entry into a, a, changing, a life-changing relationship. That salvation happens, but redemption is the goal. That you are morphed, you're transformed. And so day after day, as you keep failing, grace keeps working in your life to make you more and more like Jesus. And so your foul mouth starts to change and you start to speak words of life and love and encouragement and kindness and you start to meet people. And, and the thing that was disqualifying becomes the thing that God uses to amplify his kingdom. Or your selfishness dies more and more each day. You have grace for the times when selfishness rises, but glory takes over and your selflessness starts to rise in your life. Or your, your short temper grows into patience and God transforms you. And so, yeah, you still might spout off sometimes out of anger, but God starts to transform and mute that in your life. Grace is, but glory begun and glory is, but grace perfected. Grace works in our life. The gospel works in our life and it will change our life. It will reorient what we have. And so if you're following Jesus, your actions, your attitudes, your behaviors, your speech, the way that you walk and talk begins to be changed. Because grace found you when you were most broken, and it will not leave you there. It's not enough that we get salvation. It is incredible that we get redemption, and we get to become fully loved children of the king of the universe. And we get to be transformed and made in his likeness and his image the gospel will change you. And finally, as we really start to, you know, come to a close, the last thing that we want to see is the gospel is a gift to you. And really, it should say a free gift to you. And most of the time, it does say a free gift to you. But I think that's a silly clarification because anybody that gives you a gift, the sort of assumption is that this is going to be free. Hey, I got you a new pair of shoes, just fifty nine ninety nine. You know, whatever. You just bring it whenever. You, this is a gift, but you're definitely going to need to pay me back for this. The gospel is a gift to you. Paid in full is your access into the kingdom of God. Paid in full is your access to becoming who you were designed to be, paid by the one who designed you to be that way. Paid in full is the, is the debt of your sin and your transgressions and your mistakes. Paid in full. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says this. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves in him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has rescued us for free. When we weren't even asking for it, he came and he died in our place to pay the debt that we couldn't pay and to die the debt that we should have died. 
He rescued us. Sometimes we don't understand or sometimes we forget how dire our circumstances were without Jesus. Or sometimes we fail to realize just how dire our circumstances are without Jesus. He rescued us. This is a life and a death proposition. He rescued us and he did it for free. On Friday, I went to Taco Bell for lunch. And I forgot my wallet, which was embarrassing. But I had my phone, and so I was like, can I pay with my phone? And she's like, yeah, I would try it. And it was getting awkward because I was like, this is taking too long. I'll just go home and get my wallet and come back and pay for my food. Like, there's a line back to, you know, the light at Central Avenue. But yeah, I'll just go. And she's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. And I was like, what? <laughs> Are you serious? And she's like, yeah, here's the food. I was like, oh, free Taco Bell? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And so I grabbed my Taco Bell and I was like, what's up? I just got $20 worth of great F meat, you know? And, and I was going and I was like, Cohen, guess what, bud? We got free Taco Bell. And Cohen was like, what's free mean? And I was like, oh yeah, you're four. And I was like, free means we didn't have to pay for it. They just gave us the food. And he was like, cool. I was like, no, it's really cool. You know? And so I went, I told Cohen about it. And then when we got to, to meet up with Emily, I told Emily about it. And then the next day I told my parents about it. And I was like, we got free Taco Bell. And sometimes, oftentimes, I fail to mention what Jesus has done for me. We get so excited about these free gifts and we lose sight of this unbelievable gift that has been given to us. We should be talking about it to everybody. When we leave these doors until we come back in these doors, our lives should be a walking message that for free, you can become a child of God. You can become exactly who you were designed to be, son or daughter, co-heir with Christ. We have a royal heavenly inheritance. Can you believe that Christ would die for us when we were still sinners? I used to say the worst things and now I have this mouth that speaks love and encouragement and kindness. Can you believe for free? He did this for us and he does it for you too. We should be shouting it from every mountaintop because there are people who don't know that it's for free, who still think that they got to clean up their act before they walk in these doors. We should be the ones saying, hey, come in here because there's a message for everybody in here. Come exactly as you are because there's a message of a God who loves you enough to die for you and to pay the price for you and to give you access to what he has for you. There is that God waiting for you, beckoning you. Grace is but glory begun. And all of us need a little bit of transformation in our lives, if not a lot of transformation in our lives. And so let's meet people with that free gift. And so as we close... What price did Jesus pay? Because it's free to us, it was not free to him. He first of all stepped out of eternity, which doesn't get talked about enough when we talk about the price that Jesus paid. He was the word at the beginning. He spoke and all things began. He had all power and he wrapped himself up into human flesh in our likeness and he walked on dirty ground. That is a price to pay. But then he lived and modeled a perfect life, a perfect life that would lead him to being wrongfully accused. Pilate could find no fault in him, and yet a crowd demanded that they crucify him. 
And so Pilate wanted to get out of it. And so they beat him and they whipped him and they mocked him. And then they took a cat of nine tails, which was a, a, a whip with, you know, leather strands and rocks and teeth and claws tied into the leather strands. Forty lashes from a cat of nine tails is legal death. And so they did 39 on Jesus, ripping open his back until they had to find space on his sides because there wasn't enough flesh to grab onto anymore. Wrongfully accused, lashed 39 times, brought before a crowd, and they said, crucify him. And now Romans were experts in torture and execution and crucifixion was reserved for the worst criminals. And here was this perfect man who stood beaten and bloodied and they shouted, crucify him. And so he had a cross heaped on his back and he had to walk. So heavy was that cross that he needed help from a man, Simon of Cyrene, who didn't want to know part of it. He didn't want associated with the criminal this bad that the Romans would do this too. But they compelled him and he walked. And then they put Jesus on the cross, nails through his wrists and his feet. And the cross is a state of constant desperation. Him paying the cross was a state of constant desperation because you're either hanging by your wrists, the bones in your wrists. And if you do that, if you just hang, then the weight of your body presses against your lungs and you can't take a full breath in. You just slowly suffocate to death by never able to take a full breath in. Everybody with asthma understands what not being able to take a full breath means. And that's what that was on the cross. He couldn't quite take a full breath. But then you pull yourself up by the weight of your body on the bones in your wrist and you get a little bit of relief and you can take a deep breath, but you're hanging there and your broken back is just right there. And he hung there until he said, it is finished. And into your hands, I commend my spirit. And he paid the price, the punishment, the debt that we deserve, the debt that our selfishness, that our foul mouth, that our lying, that our ego, that all of that heaped on him. He paid that debt in full with his death. And then he conquered death and rose again. And he said, you too, can have new life because paid in full is all of that. Every addiction, every shame, every pain, every regret, all of that paid in full locked in the cross. And I have new life for you because I came to new life and to give you new life. And so we should be going crazy, right? For free. We get new and eternal and better and full life in what Jesus has for us. He wants to transform us while we're still on earth and give us eternity with him, fully restored, for free. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was famous for fleeing Nazi Germany as a Christian. He was wanted, he was wanted to be killed because he was a Christian in Nazi Germany and he fled to America. And he decided... He was compelled to go back and face his enemies because what if he could tell one more of his enemies that Jesus died for them and that redemption was possible for them. And so he went back to face his enemies and he went back to talk about the, the free grace of Jesus and the gift of that life. And he went back to Germany. He went back to danger because danger was no match for the power of the resurrection. He went back and he talked about it and he didn't leave safely. He was killed, but it was worth it for him 
Because he said, even my enemies, even those who seek to have me dead, should hear about the grace of Jesus. And so who is it in your life that needs to hear about from you the grace of Jesus? And it is very possible that for some people in the room, it is you that needs to hear about and understand and recognize and submit to and place your faith in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. If you've never acknowledged that you can have access to eternity by following Jesus with the rest of your life, by allowing the gospel to change you, then that is your step. You can have forgiveness of all of your sins and transformation into a new life. And for the rest of us, we better go tell some people. Sometimes with words, sometimes with action, but always at all times, we are modeling what it means to follow and love Jesus and modeling that it's for free. You can have this for free. And so here's the prayer this week. This message is titled, Jesus, Make Me Worthy. Because we have to remember, it's his strength. It's his power. It's his gospel that works and transforms us and is a gift to us. Jesus, make me worthy. And so pray this this week. Jesus, I can walk with strength because you qualify and invite me to your kingdom. I can leave this place with strength because Jesus, you qualify me and you invite me to participate in what you're doing in the world. The redemption plan, the salvation plan that you have for all of humanity, you've invited me to. That should blow us away. That for free, we have significance in the eternal plan of God. We're gonna sing one more song. And just if you're if you're ready, just sing these words out. Here, here's my heart. You take it, God. I'm gonna give you my whole life. We pray with me as we close. God, we are blown away blown away that people like us can be your people we know what we've done and we know we don't deserve it but God we accept it we need your grace we need your strength we need to be transformed we need to be made into your likeness and your image help us to trust you more every day Jesus, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray.